Good morning, everybody. Good morning, West Falls Church, Grace Live. Everybody here is in the room. Uh, somebody went to see a divorce lawyer, and they walked in, and the divorce lawyer said, uh, do you have grounds for the divorce? And the person said, well, we have about an acre and a half. And then I said, oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry. No, no, I, uh, let me try that again. Uh, is there like a grudge? Is there a grudge there? And they said, well, we have a two-car one. And at this point, the lawyer was really frustrated. He said, why in the world do you want a divorce? He said, well, we're having communication problems. I said this, you heard that. Okay, so there's going to be problems in communication. Today, we're going to talk about life-changing words because what we have been saying is that words can make or break your life. And that is just very, very true. The words we speak are powerful. They can change our lives in positive ways. They can change our lives in negative ways. So we're digging into this. We've seen that they have changed the entire course of history. Alfred Nobel, who is famous for the Nobel Peace Prize, uh, he was called the merchant of death or the dynamite king, because he had created. Now, he said he did it for, for noble reasons of all reasons, right? He did it for noble reasons, but he eventually created something that he wanted to be used for good, but it was used to harm a lot of people, and this bothered him greatly. And so when he was called the merchant of death, he decided after he heard those words at the end of his life, he, did it, he just donated his entire fortune, about $265 million in today's money, towards the advancement of humanity and the creation of the Nobel Peace Prize. So we see that words are very influential. Jesus Christ is the most influential person that has ever existed in the history of the world because he's influenced and moved more people to be his followers than any other person who has ever walked on this planet. And his two most influential words were simply this, follow me. He said, follow me to somebody who was a tax collector. And that person in tax collecting in those days was an extremely lucrative business. That person gave up their tax collecting, totally changed their life and followed him. He said it to a lawyer and the lawyer gave up their lawyering. He said it to somebody who was uh, a fisherman, actually multiple people who were fishermen, and they gave up their fishing business, which was a family run business. And they turned their life. He said it to people who were prostitutes and and their lives were changed. So words can change the course of history. We have seen that. You've probably experienced that in your own life. And what we've been saying is, if you want to improve your life, improve your speech. If you want to improve your life, improve your speech. We are created in the image of God. When the Bible opens up with those words, those have been some of the most life-changing words ever. Nobody had ever heard that before, that there's equality amongst all people. So those words that every single person has been created in the image of God, it's just like earth-shaking. But then God invites us to reflect his image by reflecting his words. This is what Peter says in 1 Peter 4.11. If anyone speaks, they should speak as one who speaks the very words of God. That's what we're called to do. Speak the very words of God. Somebody once said that our tongues are in a wet place. They slip easily. I don't know about your tongue, but my tongue slips really easily. And I'm imagining yours is just like mine. So what today we're going to do is we're going to take a look at a chapter, a portion of a chapter in the book of James. Now, James is the younger brother of Jesus Christ. And the book of James is a fantastic place to start. If you're just kind of like peeking over the fence at what does it mean to be a follower of Christ or what is Jesus all about? What does it mean to believe in Jesus? Actually, the book of James is a fantastic place to start. It's only five chapters long. And it's excellent because it's 
packed with practical everyday stuff that we go through. And you really get a good handle on what does it mean from a biblical perspective to be a follower or a believer in Jesus Christ. So James in his entire book is saying, if you believe in Christ, here is how it is going to practically affect your life. In the beginning in chapter one, he's already said to us, he said, you know, if your words aren't changing, then your relationship with God isn't growing. He says that in James 1 26. But in chapter three, he just goes straight into the tongue and how our words actually are reflecting God or they're not reflecting God. And he gets extremely practical. Now, you know, when you go to see the doctor, and we're going to talk a lot about this in a few weeks when we talk about heart felt words. But when you go to the doctor and they say, could you stick out your tongue? Stick out your tongue to the doctor. The doctor wants to look at your tongue so he can tell what's going on inside of you. And what James is basically saying here is, is God is saying to all of us, stick out your tongue because whatever is on your tongue is what's happening inside of your life spiritually. Wow. That's really powerful that our tongue has that much of impact on our lives and our relationship with God. So here we go. James chapter three, we'll start in verse number two. This is what it says. We all stumble in many ways. That's the truth. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. So the end of that verse where it says, keep your whole body in check, that's a Semitic term that means that you can keep your entire life in check. Like if you could control your little tiny tongue, then you actually, if you have the strength to control your little tiny tongue, then you actually have the power, you have the wherewithal to control your entire life. I think, my goodness, that is absolutely incredible. You know how much the human tongue weighs? About one-tenth of a pound. It's very, very small. Interestingly about the tongue, it's the only muscle in your body that never gets fatigued. It can go, 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 go. Never needs to stop. Never gets tired. It can go 24-7 all the time. Only muscle in your body that can do that. But your tongue is tiny. But But James is saying it has so much power. So step number one in all of this, he's saying we all stumble in many ways. Step number one is to admit, yep, you know what? I can do better. God wants me to do better. The whole world needs me to do better because the words I speak are life-changing words. They have an effect on other people's lives in very, very significant ways. We can't just say, well, that's the way God made me, so that's the way I talk. That's who I am. Tough. you got to get over it. James is saying you can't say that. You have to take a look at your words and be willing to change and say, you know what? I can do better. God created me to do better, and the world needs me to do better. All right? Verse number three. We... When we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. You know how much a horse weighs? A horse can weigh 2,000 pounds, 2,000 pounds. And you put that little tiny bit in their mouth and you can turn this huge, incredible, magnificent animal, right? With this little tiny bit. And he's saying, James, the same thing goes with your tongue. Even though it's small, it can turn your life and it can turn other people's lives. And then we've seen where it changed the entire course of history. Now, I'm not big on horseback riding, but a number of years ago, uh, my wife and I, we went. There was a couple here in church, Dave and Brenda Snee, and they were getting married in Puerto Rico because Brenda is from Puerto Rico. And we were down at a place called Palmas del Mar that got hit very bad by the hurricane. But we were down there about five years ago, and they had a place where you could go horseback riding. 
And so we went, and I tell you what, you know, I'm a little bit OCD, and I am blue, if you haven't got your uh, thing. So I like things neat and tidy. So I've never enjoyed horse stables, because they smell and they're a little bit dirty. I've never seen a stable this clean in my life, though. It was phenomenal. Whoever was running this place was a total blue, right? So just, you could have eaten off the floor. It was magnificent. And the only two people on this ride was Krista and myself, and they put us on these incredible horses that looked like all they'd been doing is bathing them all the time. They were just awesome. And one guy leads us, and he's on his phone the whole time, so he's like 30 yards ahead of us, and they lead us over the golf course. And there's nobody on the golf course, and it's absolutely stunning. Over these hills, up and down, up and down. And after about 30 minutes, we go over this big hill, and we look down, and there's the ocean. And they take us down to the ocean. We get on the beach. Krista's always wanted to do this, and he says, go. And the horses just take off flying. Well, he had told us at the beginning of this ride, it was great, nothing bad happened, it was awesome. So uh, he told us at the beginning of the ride, he says, if you need the horse to do anything, stop, go, turn right or left, all you got to do is just a little tug, just a little tug on the reins. Can you imagine sometimes that's all it takes for us is a little tug from our tongue to somebody else and it totally changes everything. The relationship turns right or left, it stops or it goes. I'm sorry, that's, that's, I'm sorry, there's not many words to that. Please forgive me. That's just like a little tongue. They're hard to come out. But it's just that little thing. Can we make up? Can we talk? I'm wondering today, what words is it that maybe you need to speak? Where has God been prompting you to say just a little tug of your tongue that totally changes the course of a relationship that you might have? Um... I often talk about John Gottman because he runs this marriage clinic. He looks at marriage in a very scientific way. There is somebody else who does the very similar work to John Gottman. He can also do the thing as Gottman is. He can put a couple together. They can interact for 15 minutes and then ready for this. After a 15-minute conversation, he can predict with an over 90% accuracy rate whether or not you'll be happily married in five years or you'll be unhappily separated in five years. That's pretty fantastic. Now, here's the thing. Here's an, and, and listen up. Anybody who is in any kind of relationship, but particularly if you're married or you're thinking about one day getting married, I'm going to give you the golden ticket right now, and he has totally broken this thing down. There are dozens of things that we can do, and we do marriage series here, relationship series. We talk about the dozens of things that you can do to make your marriage better. Dozens and dozens. They're awesome. They're awesome. But he boiled it down to one thing. You ready for this? Here, 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 here it is. Here is the golden nugget today. This is what they have scientifically proven. There is only one key thing that couples need to do in their marriage to have an awesome, thriving marriage. And it happens very seldom, but when you do that thing, everything is going to go right. Your entire future is going to be changed because of it. And it is how you communicate when you disagree. The words that you choose to use when you disagree have a profound effect on your future. And what they have found, scientifically found, is in couples, is when you're talking to each other, if you use words that are respectful and kind to each other in that few moments, and we know it's very few moments that you actually disagree for those of you who are married, right? In that few, that little sliver of the day when you do, if you use the right words in that, there's where you need to put all, you're like, hey, John, where do I put all my energy to have an awesome marriage? There's where you put all of your energy. You save it for those moments. You get all your willpower together. And you speak respectful words. It'll totally change your marriage. So there you go. That's how powerful words are. Your entire future hangs on the use of your words. James 3, 5, and 6 says this. 
Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire. Okay, now I've brought the lighter from the house. And uh, we'll see if it works. There we go. There we go. Just a small spark. So James is saying just a, a small, small spark, like your tongue. It just takes one word sometimes, doesn't it? To set things off, to cause a fire. One one little word, one little spark, and a huge fire can exist. Our tongue is like that. One word, one spark, one cow, one cow. October 8th, 1871, one cow in Chicago knocked over apparently a lantern. And as a result of it, 300 people died. There was hundreds of millions of dollars worth of damage, and 100,000 people ended up homeless because one cow knocked over one lantern in Chicago, and it devastated. Now, how many relationships have been devastated because that one word was spoken and it sparked something and it puts you down a wrong path? Ralph Waldo Emerson said, who shall set a limit to the influence of a human being? You have tremendous influence. Okay, James 3, 7 and 8. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So you're saying, John, why are you talking about this? The Bible just says you can't tame the tongue. Well, we're going to get into the answer to that in just a few weeks. But what I want to focus on here is, is he says that... He's, he's equating our tongues to animals and reptiles and sea creatures and the need to be tamed. Tony, Tony Evans says this. He says, isn't it interesting when you go to a zoo that you see like these big, vicious animals, scary animals. They're behind bars and they're in a cage. And isn't it interesting that God has put our tongue behind bars, behind our teeth and in a cage in our mouth? right? Because it can, it can be vicious. It can be vicious. And we have to be very, very careful about that. Our tongues are powerful. Our tongues are life-changing. They can help or they can harm. It's like nuclear power. Nuclear power is awesome and it benefits so many people, but can also destroy people's lives. What are we doing with our words? How can we speak the very words of God? We have to be extremely intentional. First Corinthians nine says this, this is how Paul says we can do it. I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous, moralist, loose living, immoralist, the defeated, the moralized, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but here it comes, everybody. But I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. Paul's saying he's humble, he's hungry, he's ready to listen and learn. He's not saying, well, God wired me a certain way. I'm pretty sure that Paul was a red. He's not saying that's just the way I am. I'm very direct. I just very, I just say things and if they got to get over it, that's what he's, no, no. He's saying, I want to see things from their point of view. So what is he saying? He says, we have to seek to understand. We have to listen and we have to learn. One scholar says there's four important things that are learned from that passage right there. Number one, we have to find common ground with other people. Two, we have to Avoid a know-it-all attitude. Number three, we have to make others feel accepted. And number four, be sensitive to their needs and concerns. So I have one fill-in-the-blank today. It's extremely important to this message, and that is this. If you want to grow your faith, you have to grow your understanding. And this goes all the way back to the beginning of James. He's saying, you know what? If your words aren't changing, your faith isn't growing. Because it matters what you speak. That's how much it matters. It, it is like the barometer of your spirituality, the words that you're speaking. So if you want to grow your faith, you have to grow your understanding of other people. 
In John chapter 7, verse number 46, we're told a story in John 7 that the Pharisees had sent their own guards. Now, the Pharisees in Jesus' day, religious leaders, had their own police force. And they were just kind of sick and tired of Jesus because they felt he was undermining their authority. And so they sent their police force to go and arrest him. And they go and they come back empty-handed. And the Pharisees, what are you doing? Now, they employ these guys. What are you doing? How come you've come back empty-handed? And here's what they said. They said, no one has ever spoke like him. They were sent out on the job. They're getting their paycheck signed by the Pharisees. And they came back and says, nobody's ever spoke. Why, did, why has nobody ever spoke like him? Because nobody has ever understood people like Jesus Christ. That is how important it is. Nobody has ever understood people like Jesus Christ. I've mentioned this before. I'll say it again. There's a book by Les Gibling. It is a perennial bestseller on skill with people. First thing he starts out with is this. If you want to have skill with people, you must, must, must understand people. Jesus Christ did that very well. Ernest Hemingway says it takes us two years to learn to speak and 60 years to learn to keep quiet. I just find it fascinating. There's a lot of things that's fascinating about Jesus and him coming to this earth and the incarnation and Christmas and all of that. There's so many things fascinating about it. But just one other aspect. Think about this. Jesus comes to earth as a baby, not speaking, not speaking. And then basically for the next 30 years of his life, you hear nothing from Jesus. And then you hear a tremendous amount from Jesus for the next three years. So it's almost like 30 years is Jesus just listening. And then he's speaking. No one spoke like Jesus because nobody understood other people like Jesus. And how well do you understand people? How hungry are you to understand people? The people that you live with and the people that you work with, the people that you're closest to, how well do you want to understand them? Because if your words are going to be the very words of God, and they can be, they can be, it wouldn't say it if we could not do it. It wouldn't say it if we could not do it. Then we have to have to have a desire, humble hungry, the desire to listen and learn because we can do it and our relationships can be so much better. Now, we said this last week, Jesus is yellow. All right, I hope everybody got a wristband. Mine is blue. If not, they're right on the table, West Falls Church. I'm sure they're right outside your lobby doors right now as well. If you're watching on Grace Live, we can't, you'll have to show up. Okay. Uh, we said this last week, Jesus is yellow, right? Because Jesus is so popular. Yellows are outgoing. They're extroverts. They're very, very popular. I have somebody in my community group, they scored 31 under yellow, 31. They're like a pure, pure, pure yellow, very outgoing. They're very popular. They love to tell stories. People liked Jesus who weren't anything like Jesus. So Jesus totally is a yellow, right? Now, Jesus is a red, there's, there's no doubt that Jesus is red. Reds speak the language of power. Are there any reds in the room that are willing to raise your hand and say, I'm a red with your wristband up there? Is there thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. I appreciate that very much. We need reds over at West Falls Church or if you're on Grace Live, let us know if you're, if you're a red. Reds speak the language of power. They're direct. They're task-oriented. Now, Jesus did that, right? Follow me. It's pretty clear. It's fairly direct. They're brief, so he's right to the point. Follow me. How about this? If you want to follow me, you have to take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. How do you like that for a power statement? I mean, that's, that's really right on. How about this? He speaks to the storm and says, peace, be still. That's a fairly powerful statement. But the biggest one, I think, is when he walks into the temple because of all the corruption going on there, and he starts flipping tables over. Now, there's a red man. He sees something that's messed up, and he's flipping tables over, and he's driving people out. Is Jesus a red or what? Jesus is totally a red. If you're a red today, be loud and proud. Come on, you're like Jesus. 
right? Thank you very much. Okay. Um, I sent, this is the last time I'm going to say this about this. So, um, there's a way for you to sign up to get the text messages. And I know some of you probably like, oh, okay, you said this before, but some people still know. And here's the reason why I want to bring it up right now. I sent out a great clip this past week from the office. I've never watched the office, but I've watched clips and I'm never going to watch the show, but I'll watch clips from it because they're hilarious. And the one I sent out this past week from Dwight, oh my gosh, who saw the clip? Anybody see the clip? Anybody like that clip? I was laughed out loud funny to me. I just thought, this is fantastic. So I'm going to send another one out this week about Kevin, Kevin Malone, because uh, I believe Kevin maybe is a blue. And so I'm going to send it. So if you want to know how to sign up, there's how you do it. There's three quick steps. Boom, boom, boom. Text the word try grace 84576. You can read the rest. It's on your, it's on your screen. All right. Yellows speak the language of fun, right? And red speak the language of power and blue speak the language of order. We're going to talk about that next week. And and green speak the language of peace. Now, reds need, let's dig into the reds here in our final few moments. Reds need a sense of control. Now, that doesn't mean they're controlling because there's a difference. And that comes out if you're watching on the app that we have in the video. What is a sense of control? Here it is. This is really important. A sense of control is the desire for reds that things are working well. Like everything's working like a symphony. All the parts are coming together very, very well. Reds need things to be effective and efficient. They have a need for that. They can walk into a room. They can walk into a situation and reds can quickly make a judgment oftentimes correct judgment. Now, I want to say this, and this is going to bother some non-reds, okay? Reds are often right. Reds are, reds are often right. I, I didn't say always right. I said they're often right. They actually are. Reds are often right. They can come in. They have a God-given ability, particularly strong reds, to walk into a situation and see how things aren't working right, and they'll move the pieces of the puzzle around, and we need that. Jesus is a red. They can come in and make those judgment calls very, very quickly. And that is an awesome strength, awesome strength to have. They're high energy. They're goal and task oriented. They get a lot done in a short amount of time. Reds dislike lazy people. Big problem with lazy people. Okay. My wife has a little bit of red in her. I will never be a lazy person. Okay. They're very direct. They're very fast and they can be very impatient. Now, there's four biographies on the life of Jesus Christ in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you're a red, Mark is your gospel. It is the shortest. It goes straight to the point. Christmas, forget it. We don't care about Christmas. We don't need all that fluff, right? We just, boom, just it hits you right. The, the word that is used in the gospel, Mark, most, more than any other book in the Bible, is immediately. Everything's immediate. And Mark focuses on the power of Jesus, miracles and exorcism, beating up demons, right? Stomping them down more than any other book. It's the shortest book, but he uses immediately power, miracles, exorcism, more than any other book. Because Mark is getting his information from Peter, and Peter is a total what? He's a total red. He's a total red. Okay. Uh, I want to read this list here. Uh, page 45. If you're fo- These workbooks are great. And I just want to read you some things on uh, page 45 of my workbook because it gives the strengths and weaknesses of a red. Now, there's some great stuff here, everybody. Here's the strength of a, a red. They're a dynamic leader. They delegate well. They can control their emotions in emergencies. Reds, particularly strong reds, are great. They're ice water in their veins during emergencies. Yeah, uh, George Washington probably was a red. 
uh, General Grant, uh, President Grant, probably was a red because in a battle, in a battle, I mean, everybody would be freaking out around him. Unflappable. Ice water in his face. Uh, John Rockefeller, uh, richest man in the world, probably was a red. A red-blue somewhere. Because when he was in intense situations, ice water in his veins. He was, they, this is what they said about him. He's the calmest person in the room. And he was in very intense situations. And he made everything work. And Kossack worked to his advantage to the tune of about $400 billion. All right. Uh, they're energetic. They're adventurous. They're resourceful. They're pragmatic. They're disciplined. They're not easily discouraged. You hear this from a red. They just won't give up. They'd rather die than give up. They'll just keep going. They'll just keep going. So there's the strengths. So as you're looking at this workbook right here, you want to look at the left-hand side of the page and say, oh, man, this is good. We need you to do this. This is very important. And then you want to look at the right side of the page and say, okay, um, bossy, impatient, quick-tempered, enjoys arguments, enjoys, <laughs> enjoys. Was, I think it was John Adams. I, th- I think it was Jefferson that said Adams. His favorite form of conversation is an argument. Okay. Uh, so maybe he was, he was red. They come on too strong. They begin to fl- It goes on and on. And here's, here's, all, here's all I want to say to you. Look at this. Now, I, I, I've had a number of reds say to me already. He says, well, I'm looking at the weaknesses, and I don't see them as weaknesses. They seem pretty good to me. <laughs> I, no, no other color has said that. No other color has said that. Not, not even close. Like, what's wrong with being bossy? Okay. Uh, here, I just want to, you know, for the rest of the world that's not a red, uh, the rest of the world might have a problem with you being bossy, maybe. Okay. But what you want to do is you want to look at this page and say, I like the things, the strengths that are on the left-hand side of the page and push into them. Be aware of the things that are on the right-hand side of the page and say, you know what? I'm going to choose. It's all about choosing. I'm going to choose the left and I'm going to try to not choose the right. Listen, uh, Sugar. You can have refined sugar or raw sugar. You know, big granular, crunchy, right? You can have refined or raw. It's your choice. Both of them are sugar. You can be a red that's pushing into your strengths and choosing to work and refine your weaknesses, or you could just say, hey, this is the way I am. Get over it, okay? So it's your choice whether you want to be a mature red or, I mean, I don't want to be so direct to you, but an immature red, okay? All right, so it's, it's your choice which way that you go, all right? Jesus was a red, and we need reds to operate in their strength. Now, I got a text from somebody this past week who took the temperament inventory, which is in the workbook, and they said, you know what? I've realized I'm a red, and I'm married to a red. Now what? Okay? <laughs> so I, I'm going to talk more about marriage in, in, in the weeks to come, but let me, can I just say something uh, quickly here? When, it, when you get married when you're younger, when you're younger, you marry your opposites, so opposites are yellow, red. No, opposites are red, green. Sorry, opposites are red and green. That's your opposite. That's what you. And when you get married and you're younger, you do that because the red, what they need emotionally is they need obedience. That's their emotional need is obedience. And the color that is going to best give the obedience is the green. Okay. Okay, and then on the other side, the opposite is yellow, blue, yellow, blue, which is Chris and I. We're, ye- we're yellow and blue. And when you get married when you're younger, you marry your opposites. Now, you know what happens when you get married when you're older, like 35 plus? Like if you get married and you're above the age of 35 or 40, you know what you end up doing? You don't marry your opposite anymore. You marry your twin. You marry somebody that you share a square with. Maybe it's your primary square. That's just the way it works because you're like, you know, I'm done with all that opposite stuff now. I know who I am. I know what I want. And I'm just, I don't want to deal with this anymore. And so you marry your twin. We're going to talk more about uh, things like that in the future. Okay, here's some things for red when you communicate, and we're almost done. You need to be interested in others. 
instead of tasks. Because we're so high task-oriented, you come in and you see things. So just show an interest in others to cultivate small talk and ask rather than demand. And I know you don't feel like you're demanding, but other people might, okay? So here's what the proverb says. Kind words are like honey. Reds are very direct, but they have trouble being kind. Greens are very kind, and they have difficult being direct. We're going to get into that in a few weeks, all right? Words are like honey. Put some honey on there. Now, let's, let's end with Jesus, because Jesus is a red. He's clearly a red. Jesus walked into this earth, and he clearly saw everything that was wrong, right? Jesus could have come into this world and was said, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. But Jesus understood people, so he didn't do that. Jesus was a very mature red. He was very refined sugar, so he didn't do that. He understood people like nobody else. That's why he spoke like nobody else. He understood people, so he chose his words because he knew that his words were life-changing. So he saw a guy named Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector. He's the chief of tax collectors, and he was a thief. And the whole world around Zacchaeus was going to him, you're a thief, you're wrong, stop doing what you're doing. And everybody expected Jesus to speak those words to Zacchaeus that day that he saw him up in the tree to look up at him and saying, you stinking thief, cut yours. He didn't do that. And this is what shocked everybody because he understood people. He knew exactly because he understood people what Zacchaeus needed to hear. He said, Zacchaeus, I'd like to come over to your house for lunch. And Zacchaeus' entire life was changed because of the words of Jesus Christ. Now, the woman at the well, John chapter four. This is the longest conversation ever that we have recorded of Jesus Christ. It's a conversation between him and a Samaritan woman. Jewish people and Samaritan people did not get along. A man speaking to a woman back in those days did not happen. Jesus Christ has changed more about equality amongst races of people and genders of people than anybody else has ever walked the planet. But that's another sermon. He he sees her. She has made a string of bad decisions. She's an outcast in her town. And she's very defensive as you read this in John chapter 4. And Jesus doesn't react to that. He doesn't say, well, you know, are there any reds? Don't raise your hand. Are there any reds in the room when you see people making bad decisions? You deserve it. Uh, Do you ever feel, don't just sit there like a stone right now. Do you ever feel, do you ever feel that, oh man, that was your dumb decision. (laughs) You got, you know, coming to you what you deserve, right? Jesus doesn't do that. She makes all these, he doesn't do, he knew what she needed and he speaks to her and it totally changes her life, changes the course of her life. And it's the longest conversation we have in scripture. It doesn't just change her life, the entire village that she lived in. They were all changed because he understood people. He understood them very well. There's a lawyer, his name was Paul. And Jesus meets him on the road to Damascus. As you know, you're kicking against the goads, right? That's the thing that an ox would cook against, you know, so it would, you know, or heal if they would buck in the system. And that's exactly what Paul, a red, needed to hear. And it totally, totally changed his life. And then there's Martha. And she's either red or blue. She is total task oriented. She's not a people person. But her sister Mary was a total people person. And she's sitting at the feet of Jesus Christ. And Martha's running around trying to get food for all the disciples. And she's like, Jesus, get up and say something to Mary. She's blowing it. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha. Mary has chosen the better way. Now, God wants us to choose a better way. He wants us to speak the very words. Those words to Martha changed her life. This is what I'm very confident of this morning. There is somebody either right now, either right now in your life right now, or it's going to happen this week that God wants you. He's prompting you. Maybe he's been prompting you a long time and you've been holding off on it. That you need to speak words. You need to speak the very words of God to them. Look, too much is at stake for you not to do this. 
the words that you speak might change that person's entire life. It could change the course of your whole relationship with them. Jesus, Jesus could have easily come into this world and said, wrong, 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 wrong. And he, you know. But in doing that, he would lose the relationship. You might be right if you're a red, but you risk losing a relationship unless you understand people and you use your words correctly like Jesus did because nobody spoke like Jesus. There's somebody, somebody, every single person in this room, every single person at West Falls Church and on Grace Life, God's prompting you to speak to somebody. Life-changing words. The one thing I can remember, my father, and maybe it's because of blue, maybe it's because of blue, maybe it's, that's why these words struck me a certain way, and we'll unpack that next week. But I remember my dad, you know, throughout my life always said to me, Johnny, God's got a plan for you. He has a plan for you. That's the one thing I can remember that has shaped my life. What words might you speak, the very words of God, that might shape somebody's life, either in your life personally or in your life professionally? Too much is at stake for you not to speak those words. Okay. Now we're going to end this morning the same way we're ending every single message in the series. By we're going to we're going to pray as a proclamation together, Psalm nineteen fourteen, that God would fill our mouths with the very words of God. So it's on the screen or the back of your bulletin. Can we please pray this together? Here we go. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer.